2: Stay refreshed with Taste Salud, the ultimate hydration experience. Dive into the world of agua frescas designed to elevate your day, boost your energy, stay hydrated, and unwind with Saludes on-the-go stick packets, each with just one gram of sugar. Exclusive for our listeners, enjoy a 10% discount on your first order with code TASTE10 at checkout. Visit tastesalude.com for the full selection. Taste the difference with Taste Salud. Cheers to health.
3: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Big Six Podcast. Will Brinson joined by Brady Quinn and Lee Ducible. We've got a uh, like, comment, subscribe on YouTube, rate, review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify's final NFL roster. cut we're down to the 53, the NFL. Uh, I guess it depends on... Actually, I'll be curious. what uh, From a player perspective, because from a uh, short, middle-aged media perspective, a single... <laughs> day of roster cuts is vastly preferred gentlemen uh from a player perspective wh- what's the better what's the better option there do you want multiple days so you can try it you know you know if you made it down okay they change it obviously it's where it's just that single cut now you used to be on a, they should do like the final day was on a saturday week four of the preseason and now it's a yep. you know tuesday probably because the nfl wants eyeballs uh, but it, it is helpful to have it one day a year uh, as a from a player's perspective though better or worse I think
4: it's better, honestly, and Brady can speak to this, especially as a veteran player, right? Because you talked about it, Will, uh, when there was four preseason games, there was kind of a gradual cut. It would be, I think, a cut to 85, then a cut to 80, and then you cut to 53, right? Um, But in totality, if you look at this thing, right, that last preseason game, most frontline guys aren't playing. So if you're a guy fighting on a roster, like, you're playing all offensive defense. You're playing all special teams with no break. Nobody's coming to help you out. So to me, it never made sense because there were guys that teams were depending on in that last preseason game that would get hurt because they were out there because they couldn't rest them because they didn't have the numbers to rest guys. So it always made sense for me to always carry 90 all the way through that way. You also give guys an extra opportunity to put game film out there. If they don't make the 53 man roster, Cause like they always say there's 31 other teams watching this film. Right. So uh, I love that they changed that rule and made it 90 all the way through to the end of cuts. Because again, why would you want to put some guy that you're going to depend on at risk that last preseason game? If you don't have to.
0: Yeah. I guess I look at it a little bit different because I think you're talking about two different things. Like, for example, having an additional preseason game like they used to have with the old week four preseason game, it was a lot of those back end of the roster guys. And one of the reasons why those guys tend to play the bulk of those plays was because the starters actually played back then. You play a little uh, game two, you know, game three as well, and then you probably sit out that final preseason game. In in this case, though, now we've cut down to three. And on top of that, you know, we very rarely see starters play anywhere close to a, a big portion or share uh, of of the preseason game. So I actually um, – I, what I liked about having the two wave of cuts was I think it's one a little softer for the guys who had no shot. They just kind of move on from – let them go try to find, a, you know, potentially a spot somewhere else. Or it allowed, if you were a veteran guy, to be able to have that kind of forced cut where you could potentially go quickly – to another team for either that, you know, that fourth preseason game. Mm. So you had a shot to get on tape and be with them for maybe a week before that was done. Now when you only give it, leave it to one cut, it kind of puts the team more in control of when they're going to release you. And if you talk to some general managers, I was talking to Rick Spielman earlier today about this, for those veteran guys, usually he'd say, hey, if we knew we were going to keep the guy, we'd try to release him a little bit early But now you're really putting it into their hands and they're kind of controlling when that happens. So I'm never one where you want to have team control. I think you'd like to be able to, as a player, force them to release you so you have another opportunity to play somewhere else, maybe the last preseason game. Uh, That's why I didn't necessarily mind the the two cuts. I think it it gave some of the power back to the players in having it this way. And I also think um, it it gave a little bit of like a a break in between this massive wave of players who are released – and in some cases, players who might be released, might not, maybe they're trying to trade them last second. We see news of that sometimes, where right? Like Albert O, the tight end in Denver was going to be released and they figured out a trade partner at the last second, right? right? You know, those sorts of things, it's not as uh, hectic and it's not as chaotic because you've got to spread out over two cuts. So I actually like the two cut a little more from the like, player empowerment standpoint uh, than I do the one cut. Uh, but, but I understand, like, especially in a world of four preseason games, it makes a ton of sense.
3: But now in a world of three, maybe two, like the starters are, aren't really playing anyway. Uh, dudes, you mentioned something else, just to just to sort of touch on it from an overarching macro standpoint, too, how um, teams are kind of stashing these, like sort of like the gamesmanship yeah. of the NFL roster and putting, you know, some of the, like these UDFA guys or undrafted free agents, UDFAs, that you might otherwise try to get into your practice squad, putting the, on your 53-man roster, letting all the rosters get sorted out, because we have two weeks. It used to be the Saturday before the first game of the season, your roster was set. You now have, like, some time where you can do roster manipulation, right?
4: I mean, but rosters – and Brady will, will speak to this too. The rosters won't be final until probably that Wednesday before yep. kickoff, to be honest with you, um, because the waiver wire, right? People uh, are going to get,
0: get – Week, week one, cut. week one opening day roster, especially for some of those veterans who are on that – that kind of vet minimum deal, or back towards the back right. when they sign those, because if they stay on, if they make that week one uh, game day guarantee, roster, baby, guaranteed for the rest of the season. And so <laughs> yeah. you could even make the case up to like late Saturday night, Sunday morning, correct? Later situation <laughs> of week one, you you're sweat movement, hundred percent, hundred percent, you sweat.
4: Because I've been there before, and I think I think the rule is that Saturday night, Brady, if I'm not mistaken, if you're on that roster, then you're set for the year. And what, what you'll see is you'll see a lot of veterans released right now, and you'll see a wave of free agency week two going into the season because of what Brady spoke about, right? Your, 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 your money's not guaranteed if you're a vested veteran if you're not on opening day roster. So a lot of teams, what they'll do like you said with some gamesmanship they'll cut vet veterans that are vested and bring them in week two which i think is a terrible thing obviously but at, what we were talking about before like teams trying to stash young players on their roster you, you see i mean even the jets are doing it right now right they tr- they, they cut their punter thomas said they're gonna definitely bring him back but they got you know a couple undrafted free agent re- uh, rookie receivers that they're nervous about putting out there on waivers and getting claimed by somebody else so These kids are probably thinking, I made the roster. No, like Brady said, wait till Saturday night. That's when you start to feel a little bit more comfortable that you made the roster because you can still get cut all the way up until game. I've seen it. I've been on teams where guys literally got cut on that Friday, two days before game day, thinking they were going to be on the 53-man roster. And also the waiver wire plays a role in this, right? Teams are going to put claims in for guys. And if they're rewarded guys, you can't have 56 guys on your active roster. Right. So if you, you, you know, claim three guys and are awarded three guys, three guys have to go. So again, this is just the beginning of it. There's always a little gamesmanship and tinkering with the roster. Again, I said the Jets, they cut their punter. They definitely need a punter for the season. Thomas Morstead's gonna be their guy. But it was so they could keep, you know, three of those rookie receivers on the roster.
0: Yeah. On that on that note, by the way, I was just gonna ask Will, like, why would you why would you draft a, a kicker punter? I mean, <laughs> yeah, I feel like every time we come around to, and I'm not trying to be overly critical on the, the, you know the teams that do or just the, the position itself, but we go through like a training camp preseason, we see so many teams cut a guy that they drafted or they drafted the year prior that was like iffy coming into camp. That's like, dude, why not just like like just sign a free agent and go make these guys earn it? Like, I, I never understand that. That's like the one those that's the one kind of position group either kicker punter. That you look at and just go, we come around to cut day, and those are the guys more often than not that get drafted. That you end up seeing them like move on from them relatively fast
4: after one year. Yep. <laughs>
0: after, sometimes even even after that preseason, it's like all right, right, they draft them sixth, seventh round. You know, they're they're going to go ahead and release them. It's it just well, and, it,
3: and there's also a lot of variation when it comes to uh, especially with kickers where. It's not like sometimes you have a new holder. Sometimes you end up playing in games where there's a bunch of wind. Sometimes you have a bunch of outdoor games late in the season just because the schedule is funky. Sometimes sometimes the ball hits the upright and it goes right, and sometimes it goes left. And you end up making a bad probably, Yeah, I mean, it's like it's hard to predict. That's why, like, heavily, the more and the more heavily you invest in those guys, the, the more it gets criticized and, and the bigger deal it becomes. Uh, one notable positive. From roster cut days, at least for right now, Damar Hamlin made the uh, Bills' 53-man roster. As I mean, be pretty. Surely they're not going to cut him between now and no next Saturday, right? He's already won comeback player of the year for sure. See, it's weird though. He's minus 285, but it hasn't moved that much. And like, what if John Mitchie goes for a thousand yards?
4: That's another name. That's right. Yeah,
3: like tomorrow. I mean.
4: Look, it's I mean, a, it, he's a third safety, so he's probably going to play some. Yeah, he's
3: a core
0: special teamer. He's, he's I think, he's backup yeah. or mixed in and kind of second, third safety. So, you know, I, I just, I, I wonder if he ever is like, man, this is awesome the support I've gotten, but like, it's I just want to get back to football. Ready to get back, I, on, like, I yeah. yeah. back to football. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be known as like that guy. Like, I would want to make my legacy on the football field, not with what right. happened on the football field. So, I, I always wondered that when like. People become super famous for something like at some point. Do they want to move on from
3: that? Um, mm-hmm. especially when it's like a kind of like a scary event like that, right? I was going to make a joke about being a podcast host, but it probably won't land. So instead, I'll move on to uh, <laughs> yeah, exactly. See, wasn't going to land to uh, Trey Lance and the Dallas Cowboys. Trey Lance traded to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, you know, we talk about all the changes that we've seen with the roster. Uh, you know, roster set up and, and how the 49ers had to play Josh Johnson and then like almost Christian McCaffrey, a quarterback last year. <laughs> yeah, What did Check, you think, Brady? I think, well, I was going to ask you guys, like, what
0: surprised you more? That he ended up – like the, the, the 49ers moved on from him like this quick given the mm-hmm. small sample size he got to play. Were you surprised by the compensation that the 49ers got in exchange for trade Lance? Or were you more surprised it was the Dallas Cowboys who were like the team that decided to trade? I'm just curious, which one of those three do you guys kind of say ding, ding, ding? It's that one.
4: I'll go first. With Jerry Jones, nothing surprises me anymore. Honestly, it's Jerry's world. He does what he wants to do. He doesn't answer to anybody. Um, I mean, Brady, this guy came out, I think, today or yesterday and was like, Jalen Hurts had fell in the draft. I was going to take him. I mean, that lets you know how Jerry Jones thinks. So anything he does doesn't surprise me actually. And you might be surprised. My biggest surprise was that they were able to actually get a fourth round pick for him. I thought it was going to be a six, seven round pick. Cause again, you talked about the sample size, he hasn't played that much. He already had, you know, deficiency issues going into the draft, right? There was a lot of work he was going to have to do. A lot of groundwork was going to have to be laid for him to be an elite quarterback in the NFL. He didn't play at all really that much at North Dakota state. So he didn't have a lot of experience. So I'm not surprised they moved on from him fast. I mean, if you look at the Shanahan tree and what they've done with other quarterbacks, they move on and they keep it pushing, right? They believe in their system, that West Coast offense, Shanahan offense, they believe that they could put somebody in and they could play at a high level if they if they live within the system. I think that's what they found with Brock Purdy. So uh, kudos to them for realizing, I'm not going to say it was a bad pick because, again, like you said, Brady, we haven't really seen much of Trey Lance, so it's it's hard to gauge could he actually have been a really good quarterback in the NFL, but they felt like they got their quarterback of the future in Brock Purdy, and they got him in the last pick of the draft, and for seven games, plus what was it, two playoff games, uh, they felt like they got their guy, so they were willing to move on, so I think them getting the fourth round pick to me was more surprising than anything, because I honestly thought Trey Lance was going to go for like a six or seven round pick.
3: See, I I would say that the most surprising thing was how quickly they moved on because now their depth chart is as it stands right now after after the cuts are done, Brock Purdy, Sam Darnold, Brandon Allen. Brandon Allen, yeah. Like that's I mean, that's cool if you trust Brock Purdy to stay healthy after his surgery and him to be the same guy he was for those seven games. And if you believe that Sam Darnold can bounce back in the system, and if you think if it all goes to bleep, Brandon Allen can be your your Hail Mary hero. But like you you had time to deal with. Trey Lance is see like, like what if Brody Torres like UCL injury? He, I mean, I get you don't know, want the the specter of Trey Lance looming and and I think you kind of wanted to help Trey Lance out by giving him an opportunity. I'm not I wouldn't I'm not really surprised by the fact that it was the Cowboys because I think the comment you're referencing, dude's where Jerry mentioned Jalen Hurts and then where he pointed out how Trey Lance, he's like, ah, oh, you know, it had nothing to do with, nothing to do with Dak. Jack has them leveraged up because of the cap hit. They're going to have to restructure him, and now they can be like Jerry is trying to play that public game where he's like, "Yeah, well, basically, we're basically we like anybody out there, you know, like uh, Jalen Hurts." Uh, oh, oh God, we almost drafted Brock Purdy six times, and like, you know, like, you know, maybe like, you know, <laughs> you know, he, throwing his any kinds of names out. You tried to trade for Trey Lance, fourth round pick. I, I would have. I don't know. I just thought that they should have moved on faster. Um, Brady, do you think that there's anything? here that indicates like how quickly they moved on. Is there anything that might indicate given the comments from John Lynch that John Lynch was the one pushing for Trey Lance and that Kyle Shanahan now has maybe a little bit of uh more power in terms of that personnel say uh, in, in that infrastructure there, just because, because it was almost like John Lynch was like, we just wanted to make, find him a good home for a fourth round pick. And to me, it was just a very odd statement. Yeah. Look, I,
0: I feel like, Kyle Shanahan has always had the power Mm. in that between those two in that organization. I mean, ultimately Mm. it it wasn't like they hired John Lynch, Lynch first, you know, that was facilitated through Kyle Shanahan's relationship with John Lynch back from the time. He
3: was a ball boy with the Broncos. So um, Kyle, Kyle picked John Lynch. I'm just saying like, right.
0: So, so, so I I think that conversation kind of ends there in regards to like, who has the power and, you know, from, from what I remember and call recall when, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo first got there, it was Kyle Shanahan wanted Jimmy Garoppolo to play. You know, John Lynch was under the impression that they could just go pay him because remember they were going into an off season where they were going to have to make a decision on Jimmy Garoppolo. And well, I,
4: yeah, I was actually there Brady. So, so there you the go. The intention was to trade Garoppolo the next year. If, if, if you read into it, like, Kyle was high on Kirk Cousins. He wanted Kirk Cousins to come and play in that office because Kirk right, was going to be free the next is, year.
0: This is once the season happened, though. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah. So so my conversation with him was like, hey, I, I bought into him, and then he got there, but like they were like, we, we can't just like let him sit there and then figure things out in the offseason. Like, he wanted to yeah. see him. He wanted him to play.
4: Talking about so for those he, last six games and seven. The last season. five games when they went yeah. five,
0: no. Yeah. And so at that point, you know, th- it was pretty evident that it was like, well, he, if, if Kyle wants him to play, he's going to play. He's got to showcase what he's capable of. So, you know, the rest is kind of history, obviously, because they signed him the long-term contract after that. And you just kind of get the sense that the draft pick in and of itself of taking Trey Lance, and that's why I've always said and will stand by the fact that I think they traded up to be able to give Green Bay what they were looking for in that draft. It wasn't for, you know, San Francisco. And I think Green Bay pulled out of that deal. San Francisco got caught being in that position. And I think they all knew what was going on. And so they 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 did what they thought was best. Take the guy who might have the most upside. Didn't work out between injuries and, and everything else. And fortunately, they fell into Brock Purdy. And they got Sam Darnold as a backup now with Brandon Allen being there. So they feel good with where they're at. And I think it probably has as much to do with the 49ers feeling like they can win a Super Bowl right now and not wanting to be more patient with Trey Lance on the roster and saying, like, we've got Purdy. We feel good about him with his healthy. And if he's not there, we get got a former – you know, first round pick, high first round pick, and Sam Darnold's got experience that's played really well for us. So it's not so much even an indictment on Trey Lance. It's just like, hey, man, we knew he was going to be a project. We just – we got too many studs. Like we got Christian McCaffrey and Debo Samuel and Trent Williams and Nick Post and all these guys. That's like we've got to put ourselves in a position to win now. And if we can get rid of some of his contract, not pick up the fifth-year option or worry about anything else, like an extension, work through Brock Purdy's rookie deal, Sam Darnold's on an economical deal, we could build this roster with some of these stars around that quarterback position, and that might give us the best chance to win a Super Bowl. So, like as much as it, it could be about Trey Lance, it, it also can just be about the scenario that the 49ers are in right now and they feel comfortable moving forward with what they have. So this is always a fun,
3: uh, a fun deal. Where uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I didn't do that. Buy <laughs> herself. By herself. <laughs> By herself. <laughs> I just got disappeared. I didn't know what they're like. we and Brady were like.
0: We don't want. We're watching your mouth move, <laughs>
3: and nothing's coming
0: out. We're like, guys, right, I
3: disappear. Buy or sell that Dak believes all that. Did you hear any of that quote?
4: We didn't hear any of that.
3: Ah,
0: weird. That's, that's what we were referring to.
3: Dak Prescott said something about Trey Lance. A big thing. We embrace him. I'm not surprised anymore. Buy or sell that Dak Prescott isn't mad about uh, dudes. Buy or sell that Dak Prescott isn't mad about the Trey Lance trade. <sighs>
4: I don't think he's – I think he's more annoyed than anything. We were talking about Jerry Jones earlier, and I think this was just some gamesmanship. Uh, you talked about it, Will. He's got a ridiculous cap number next year. I think it's near $60 million. Yep. And Brady, and Will, I honestly think this is a massive year for Dak Prescott. I would not be surprised if the Dallas Cowboys don't probably win a game in the playoffs and win a divisional game in the playoffs. He could potentially be traded next year. I honestly could see that because mm. – if you're Jerry Jones, right, you look at the rest of the roster, it's championship-ready, right, when you when you look at the defense, right, when you look at the O-line when it's healthy, right, and Zach Martin back in the fold. Like, you feel like you have championship-type receivers, championship secondary. The one caveat and question mark is Dak Prescott. Let's not forget, this guy had seven straight games to close out the year with an interception. Two pivotal interceptions in a divisional round in a defensive battle Versus San Francisco 49ers, that cost him that game. So this is a massive year. And if you look at the history of Dak, he usually doesn't turn the ball over like that. But what worries me is that he's talked about it all offseason. So you know it's in the back of his mind, right? So I I think this is a massive season. I think this was gamesmanship by Jerry Jones, not telling him, you know, that they're trading for Trey Lance. Not that Trey Lance is a real threat to him, but then also bringing up the Jalen Hurts thing. Like, what was the purpose of Jerry Jones bringing that up? Right, I think it's a old age, Dak Prescott. It's he just old age. Old age, like he's become one of those like, old dudes who
0: like say whatever they want. Why, why, did Grandpa say that? Like, why, why do he say that? Like, what, what, what's, what's Grandpa doing? I don't, I don't need to know exactly. that. Exactly. Um, I, I'm, I'm, I think he's just tired of it. Honestly, you know, like I think he's tired of it. And I, I would say I would make the case this year when you get paid and get the contract, Dak Prescott did, and you're the quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys, every year is a big year for you. Like yep. you've got to prove yourself every single year and justify what you're being compensated. And, and I look at their con, I honestly look at his contract and say, everyone is going to like try to make this feel like, Oh, it's about Trey Lance, you know, and, and and leverage maybe for the Cowboys standpoint of things, depending on how things go. I don't think it has anything to do with that. I, I think they see a guy who has a similar skill set as Dak Prescott. Like I remember when Trey was coming out, I was like, Oh, He runs like Dak Prescott, like that's exactly Mm -hmm. how Dak looked to me at Mississippi State. Like he had like those like high knees and he's just the kind of build he had and all that. And, Mm. and look, like going back to like watching like tape, like the type of, you know, throws and some of the inconsistencies that you saw, it was probably why Dak got drafted in the fourth round. And it was, you know, when it was Trey Lance, somehow it evolved into like, look at all this upside and you're like, well, hold on. He's not that really accurate all the time. Anyway. My point is, I I do think the Cowboys feel like they've got a great roster, and and they do, and I think they they feel like with this NFC, they've got a shot to make a run, and if they do make a run or if Dak gets hurt, you better have an insurance policy, and it's no disrespect to Cooper Rush. People made a really big deal about, like, what, two good games? That was weird.
4: It was like five, Brady.
0: No, he did not play well for five. They they carried him for about two or three of those. (laughs) He played good in one or two, but, like, everyone exploded. Like, oh, feel the rush. (laughs) Rush. It was like, all right, let's just calm down now. I think that now they've got a legitimately talented guy who they look at and say, if Dak gets hurt, we feel like we could put him in there. We could put him in a position to succeed, and he could sit and watch and learn, and he doesn't have to feel the pressure of being the guy they traded all those picks for, number three overall. You know, he's just a guy now sitting behind Dak, waiting for that next opportunity. So, Mm. I I think it has more to do with that. Because again, you look at the Dak Prescott's contract he's going to have to be restructured after this year anyway. Yeah. I mean, it's a huge cap hit in, in 2024. It's about $60 million. So regardless of, like, if he plays good, he plays bad, like, they're going to have to restructure his contract. And he's still got some, voidable years attached some kind of, like, the, the back end of that is it out. So yeah. I, I don't think he's even tradable. Like, I don't think he's cuttable because the dead cap Ooh. hit. And I don't know that he's tradable either because anyone who trades for him is going to have to, you know, re- restructure, restructure that yeah. deal. So I, I think he's their quarterback for the next two years. And I think after that, it becomes more palatable to make a cut if you need to or even or even have them be traded. And it's more about like where Dallas sees themselves in the hierarchy of the NFC where you've got Philly, San Fran, and maybe Dallas. You know, Maybe Dallas is that next team right there as far as the, the playoff hunt to, to go to the Super
3: Bowl. Hey, hey let's not forget that uh, old Mike McCarthy, hey, man, he spent a summer Learning the read option after you guys pants pulled down by San Francisco a couple times in the playoffs. Uh, So maybe, so maybe he's able to implement a read option scheme with Trey Lance. Um, But there'll be a fun contract situation with Dak coming up in the future. Who doesn't love that? It's at least more interesting. The running back contracts. We got two situations. We got two of them. We got to talk about. We'll do that coming up next after the break.
5: Jump into this week's unforgettable moments, electrifying
3: action, and pure football passion with the Inside College Football Team on CBS Sports Network.
0: Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half.
2: And check out amazing national sales event deals on Camrys, Corollas, and more when you visit buyatoyota.com. Offers end April 1st. Toyota, let's go places.
3: Jonathan Taylor, welcome back to the Pick 6 Podcast. Will some Brady Quinn, ladies, reducible. Uh, t- Jonathan Taylor, not traded. In fact, he's going on the... Is he on the... He's the on the PUP, the pup list.
0: The PUP list, so he's out till so week four.
3: So he is going to miss four games. I mean... Quite simply, Brady, how do we get here?
0: Jim Irsay. I mean, hey, no disc- this is what I just had a, a, an argument with Pete Prisco about. And he's like, well, there's, there's no running back, Mark. What do you mean? If, if the Colts offered him an extension, he'd take it. He'd take-. I'm like, no, I, I don't know that he would. Like, first off, like Pete's the type that per- portrays this unrealistic scenario, like a five-year extension for $14 million a year. I was like, yeah, Pete. Uh, go out and say that he would you know sign that. Meanwhile, it's not even realistic. Like my whole point is, if you look at Saquon and the Giants, if you look at Josh Jacobs and the Raiders, in both cases, both players not exclusive franchise tag, they essentially tried to use whatever leverage they had and and speak up about how frustrated they were with the t- running running back market. Did a Zoom call, all, all that, right? Yeah, yeah. a Zoom call, the whole running back market did. But the truth, but the truth of the matter is, they were able to make up. And be incentivized to come back and play for the team. I, I do think Jonathan Taylor would have done that had Jim Ursay not basically said, like, yeah, I don't care if you're in the NFL or not. Yeah. Like, that's a pretty damning thing to hear and from. Owner. Really personal. Hey, oh, and, and, that, and that's all I'm saying is like, look, all football players, like, as, as much as you know, we'll sign a deal that an owner gives us and all that, we also want to feel appreciated. Correct. And if you get an owner that's just basically sitting there saying, like, as good as you've been, I don't care if you're on our team or not. Like, and by the way, not only do I not care, it's my opinion that no one else cares is really what he said. That's a pretty damning thing to have an owner say that. And, and I, I just – I look at it and say, had he not said that, yeah, maybe Jonathan Taylor eventually comes back once he's healthy, maybe the ankle injury is worse than we thought, and, and probably plays and hopes they can work things out next offseason. But because of how Jim Ursay handled this – I think he really put Jonathan Taylor in a, in a tough spot of wanting to try to come back for a guy that just really doesn't give a crap about you. And and by the way, he's already said no to you once for an extension. Why would you want to waste any more time to try to play for a guy like that? When you know, there's not a payday on the other side. Yeah. yeah.
3: I look at no, you like was going like to do, his... oh, I, got, I got yelled at my Colts fans. And it was like, the Colts lowball and they're like, he they didn't, they didn't lowball. They never made an offer. Idiot. I was like, that's worse than a lowball. Like, worse. You didn't make a single <laughs> offer. That's a slap in yeah. the face. Come,
0: come walk through my house. It's for sale. Tell me how much you love it or don't love it. And then just <laughs> not even make an offer, but like, yeah, just people ridiculous. do it all the time. Brady, people do it all the
4: time, <laughs> but I look at it like this, right. And Brady, I think you broke that down beautifully. If, if, they and I suggested this too. I think with a new system coming in with Shane Steichen, if they just would have gave him like a sweetener this year, and then maybe reassess this after this year, or as far as an extension, once you see how Jonathan Taylor fits into the scheme, I think both parties would have been able to come to an agreement. Right, I, I said this. Austin Eckler did it with the L.A. Chargers. Right, they gave him a one year sweetener. Right, just to you know make him a little bit happy because. We know that he was a, you know, a touchdown machine in the red zone last year. He didn't have the rushing numbers, but he had the receptions and he, he always finished in the end zone. I thought that that was something that the Colts and Jim Irsay could potentially work out. But again, when you, when you talk about saying, you know, if I'm, you know, no longer here and you're no longer in football, the game moves on like. As players, yeah, you take it personally. It's a business, but you take that personally, right? Because you're literally putting yourself in harm's way each play to go out there and play for your organization. So uh, the running back market is what it is. Like, there was rumors supposedly he wanted up to $14 million a year. That was never going to happen, right? Um, but I thought if the coach just maybe gave him a sweetener this year, they could have rectified it. But what I said the whole time was I-, I felt like Jonathan Taylor wasn't going anywhere. I mean, I think Jim Ursay and Chris Ballard were – pretty upfront saying that something was probably most likely going to have to blow them away to make a trade, right. As far as compensation, uh, supposedly the Miami Dolphins actually made a pretty good offer, but it wasn't enough for them. So I always thought he was going to be a Indianapolis coach. Now the thing that is concerning is that he stays on a pup list, right? And now he's going to miss the first four games of the season. So you being on a pup list, John, the Taylor, it doesn't really help for, help you in the future in regards to getting a new deal, right? Because You're already coming off the ankle injury. You missed six games last year. Now, if they don't franchise tag you next year, which they still can do, um, if a team wants to pay you, they're going to probably lowball you because you're coming off that ankle injury and you didn't even play the first four games of the season. And who knows, Brady, maybe he uses his ankle thing as an issue going forward and decides to sit out even more games. But uh, I would advise against that just because, again, it's not like you're going to gain any more leverage by not playing this year. You're not going to get a bigger contract next year. I think right. you go out there and play. And if you look at the history of Shane Slyke and his offense, running backs have had career years. Look at what Miles Sanders did last year. He had over 1,300 yards, right, rushing in this Shane Slyke offense. So you got Anthony Richardson in the backfield for you. I think that opens the game up for you as far as running downhill. Holes will be there. Lanes will be there. Because linebackers and defensive ends, they have to respect Anthony Richardson keeping the ball in that RPO in the zone read game. So,
0: yeah. I, I I do wonder if um, some of this has to do with maybe waiting four weeks in the season. Yeah. You got 13 games left, and a team is just like, "Hey, we get an injury," or Correct. you know, maybe we were interested. Now we're really interested because we need a player of his caliber. Mm. Yeah, because I mean, he's still getting I, paid. He
3: he's, he will he's still get paid, paid, paid being on the pop yeah. it's not
0: like he's not getting paid. Yeah, and, right. and you know, you put him on IR now, it's different. And a rookie contract, he he could have an injury split, right? being yeah. on IR, so
4: tough, completely
0: yeah. completely different situation there. Um, whereas if he's on the pup, like the deal could be sweetened for, from the dolphins where they're like, we got in the season. We're not liking where things are at. Maybe two gets banged up. Who knows how long he's going to be out. We feel like we got a good roster. We need to, you know, bring in Jonathan Taylor to help give us a little boost and take some pressure off. You know, Mike, Mike White is our backup or Skylar Thompson, whoever's our backup. Uh, and and so that might make some sense there, but that's what I think maybe is, well, well,
3: maybe, maybe the Colts, maybe the Colts start 0 four and they're like, all right, screw it. We'll put you on IR. Right, and that's what so I'm saying.
4: If if I was advising him, and, and it seems like his agent has, has handled this awfully as well too. Yeah, right. If like when it was three o'clock, Brady, I would have been on the phone with my agent, like, all right, if we don't get traded, we need to go back to them and tell them, you know, I'm healthy. Let me go do a physical, so I won't be on the pup to start the year. Because is it
0: is it the I worst thing? Oh, is the like, worst pup? Is the best? I thing. think it's the worst <laughs> thing scenario. To- he gets paid, and he doesn't possible. have to play four more games.
4: But again, but does that help him in the long run? As far I don't as think it hurts real?
0: him. I, I,
4: think, I, I don't think
3: it hurts him. I, I think, think I think what the pup list move is by the Colts. This would be my guess by Chris Ballard. Chris Ballard basically sort of told Jim Irsay, like, look, we want we we want to try and make men fences at all. Like, let's not put them on do not report. Let's put them on the pup list. And you put them on the pup list, and then you say, Jonathan, you're getting four games of free money. On your biggest salary, four point three million for the for your base salary of your career. This is going to be that's I mean that's four. So it's I don't even know what his per game is, but like I mean you get the
0: point. your like, bucks over thirteen games. Yeah.
3: Well, he still gets his base over the first four weeks, right? So yeah, he, correct. Yeah, that's he's what, he's saying. He's well, what I'm saying like he's really being
0: paid the four million over thirteen games. Correct. Right, so,
3: exactly. So if, like if you if he some, if he gets activated
0: off the puck. No, he's getting paid regardless. Yeah, yeah. As so, well, like, I'm saying,
4: thirteen
0: games. But who said said he like the, most, 13 the most he's going to play, at least as of what we know right now, is thirteen games. 13 games. So, so he
3: was making two hundred fifty some thousand dollars per game over the seventeen games if he put you know. Now he's getting three hundred thirty thousand seven hundred sixty nine dollars over the thirteen games. So he basically got like a, however the hell that math works out, he got a big pay bump per game. You know, and by virtue of like, it's, I think this is the Colts kind of throwing him a bone and saying, Hey, look, like, let's try to mend fences maybe and see if the, see if we can work this out. Plus, you see where you are after four games, and and maybe, it, like, as Brady points out, maybe you try to trade him. Um, but yeah, this is certainly not the end of this, but it should get him uh, at least, like, kind of ease it, I guess. I don't know. Josh Jacobs had a uh, one year deal this weekend. There's, is that the best move for Jacobs? I mean, like, he just he basically got a sweetener, right? Just like Austin yeah. Eckler. Saquon. I, I thought
4: this was amazing by Josh Jacobs, right? A, a lot of people assumed that he was going to show it right before the season, right? But be, Friend of the podcast, able,
3: Josh Jacobs, by the way.
4: Yeah, be able to get almost $2 million more when Saquon essentially signed this same franchise tag because there's no way he's hitting those incentives. They're, like, ridiculous. I don't think Saquon even gets close to those incentives. But uh actually drafted Josh Jacobs because they gave him this sweetener, which lets you know they're probably going to use him a lot like they did last year, right? Uh, I thought this was masterful by him, you know, not being able to put all that wear and tear on your body during training camp and showing up and to get this sweetener right before the season. And, and Brady, we know it's for veterans. If you get two solid weeks of practice, you'll probably hit the ground running when the season starts. So he came in right on time. He'll get two weeks of work without getting the wear and tear on his body. And I look like I think he's going to have another monster day. I know, you know, Jimmy Garoppolo's there, but I think they're still going to run the ball. They still got Devontae Adams there. We'll see what happens, you know, at the trade deadline with him. Supposedly there's been some rumors going around, but I think Josh Jacobs is going to be the focal point of this offense. I think he did a really good job being able to maximize his leverage and getting a little bit more money before the season started.
0: Yeah, this is like leverage 101 for running backs right now. Is you look, you you have to hold out as long as you can. They're going to waive the fines. Hopefully, uh, incentivize you to come back on the one-year uh, franchise. Well, remember, tag.
4: He doesn't get fi- fined because he was on tags. So he hasn't tag. signed he, it. He hasn't signed yeah,
0: has yeah. um, But but either way, like like this is what you do. Like yeah. this is this is the only leverage you have. Is you like Chris Jones, for example, is in this situation, right? Like the only thing you could do is sit away from the team and basically say, "Pay me more." Like like do something to make me come back uh, for at least this year. If you think I'm not worth it. And that way you're not going to be foregoing, you know, what you are structured to be paid. I mean, we, we've seen that not really work out before with, Le- with Le'Veon Bell. Um, it's, it's really unfortunate what's happened with the running back market, but yep. it's just a byproduct byproduct of like supply and demand. And there's such a great supply of, you know, running backs that are just cheaper than what we're seeing right now, um, you know, coming into the league and being able to do what the Isaiah Pacheco's and others who are younger have done right when they've, Stuff foot in the league, so yeah. it's it's harder to make a case of wanting to invest a ton of money in these guys, even though they do have a huge impact on the outcome of of, of games.
3: Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's unfortunate, it stinks because running backs running backs do matter, and you can make the case that like you know, especially with that offense is sort of. You know, we talk about the Eagles and the Colts, how they're operating, the Patriots, right? The Saints have been pretty run heavy. Uh, a little We'll see what they do. No, Derek Carr, but like under Sean Payton, they were even kind of run heavy, even with Drew Brees. There's a lot of teams who have loaded up the Colts. I expect the Panthers to be run heavy this year, and it's just tough. It's tough because if you're drafted, even as a first-round pick late in the first round or even early in the first round, Saquon Barkley, your team's not going to give you this massive contract extension where they can just play it out, franchise tag you, Pick up your fifth-year option franchise tag you, and then and then keep going. And it's 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 like the you'd almost rather be a second-round pick. Well, I guess Jonathan Taylor proves that theory wrong. I, suppose. Yeah, I was about to say <laughs> it's just you just mamas don't let your babies grow up to running backs. Is that where we're at? Pretty much. Like yeah. like
0: you like
3: like f- like
0: try to help build them into a a DN if you can. Yeah. What, <laughs> like like well, there, there's a player in Notre Dame right now, Chris Tyree. He's converted, He's converted to a slot receiver. Makes a lot of sense. He's doing he's done a really good job so
3: far. So don't yeah, don't like don't build up your lower, like get, you know, get streamlined and get and just work on your pass catching. Cause it, it's crazy. Like even Austin Eckler is just an unbelievable pass catching running back. It, it can run between the tackles, still uh just cannot get paid. What was your favorite kicker trade of the day? <laughs>
4: I think Will Lutz to the Denver Broncos. For one, I was surprised the New Orleans Saints even parted ways with him. He's just done it at a high level for so many years. And we know Sean Payton has familiarity with him coming from the New Orleans Saints. But uh, I was going to talk about this in the beginning of the show. Like, that kicker market is on fire right now. We got guys getting traded left and right, teams calling about kickers. And Brady, I was talking about this in the studio today. Like, that's the one position I would say besides quarterback that has the most pressure. Like, again, they're never with the team. They're always on the sideline. They're playing ping pong, Brady. But if you miss a kick, a game-winning kick, there's 52 other guys that want to strangle you, right? So, like, yeah. that that's a high-pressure position. And you were talking about this earlier. Like, why would you draft a kicker? Just, you know, you know, get an undrafted free agent guy. Let them compete in training camp. Whoever wins, you know, that's who you make as your kicker because we saw Cade York get cut, and he was a draft pick. We've seen multiple kickers get cut as, you know, third, fourth, fifth-round draft picks. So uh, the kicker market is, is, is strange, right? Because there's teams that don't even have kickers right now. There's teams calling about kickers, and then we saw we saw like, what three or four kickers get traded already. Yep.
3: Yeah. By the way, uh, Will Lutz's agent, so uh, Lutz lost his job in New Orleans to uh, Blake Group. I am Group. Did I <laughs> get that one? Little, yeah, yeah. Brady, Brady didn't get group. that. Brady didn't watch Guardians. Um, <laughs> I am Group. I am Group. He didn't lose his job. Groups. Oh, uh, what actor. What actor does that oh. voice? Oh crap! I would know this. if You got asked. Oh, you no. don't know the answer to this. Is it? Um. Is it? Is it The Rock?
0: No. 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 He does
4: a lot of race car movies. That that's literally giving you the answer.
0: <laughs> uh, not, it's Not race car. There's a lot of racing with cars. Racing, racing
4: with cars. Okay.
0: How about this?
3: My cousin was in one of these movies. What? Yes. I'm too flustered. Just tell me who's Iron Groot. Tell him.
4: He looks like the rock.
3: Kind of. John Cena? No. Vin Diesel. Vin Diesel. Oh, it's Vin Diesel. That's right. I know somebody <laughs> like that. Yeah, man. Um, Touche, Brady. Touche. Mm. He didn't lose his job. The Saints just made a poor decision. The better player is not the one who's left on the Saints roster. I'll tell you that. Mm. Brady, what was your favorite kicker trade today? Uh, this Nick fall uh, to, to the Titans from the Patriots. Yeah. No, I like that. Trade. No, I don't, I don't, I don't have one. Is that a, like no? three, they're like three, <laughs> in like 20 minutes. No, that's no, how that's I, how players feel about kickers. I don't, I don't have one. <laughs>
0: yeah. I just let them, let them sort of self out. I think that's who's a, your, who's
3: your, who's your least favorite kicker that you had on like a team in your time in the NFL. Ooh, I, look, here's the thing is you can't as a quarterback have a least favorite kicker because I'll tell you who Peyton Manning's was Mike look, Faderjack. An idiot kicker.
0: <laughs> I, you know, because as, as much as you want to say that, there's times they're going to be bailing you out, right? You got a two-minute drive that doesn't get the end zone. Or, or... Like, you get the credit for a two-minute drive when they're hitting a a field goal. Banging down
3: a 53-yarder. Yeah,
0: but it goes like game-winning
3: drive, right? right. Fourth-quarter comeback. Like, it goes on your stat book, too, even though, like, they're the ones sealing the ticks. Even though you handed the the ball off four times and somebody slapped down a 53-yarder, and it's Brady Quinn game-winning drive. I
0: I don't hate on it. I just know in some circumstances, like, this stuff doesn't settle itself out, like, right this moment. It's going to take a little time. And,
3: And even sometimes it happens throughout the course of the season. So, True. Yeah. Kickers are, kickers. Kickers fluctuate, man. Um, a very interesting big name went on
1: the PUP list. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's Lifetime Membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today.
5: Have you heard of Nordic Knots, the Scandinavian rug company that has become the insider brand gracing some of the most beautiful homes around the world? with rug designs by some of the world's leading designers and a signature collection of wool and jute rugs in modern colors. But Nordic Knots is not just about great design. Their mission is to make quality rugs that last, with no compromises. Goodweave certified handmade pieces woven in all natural materials. At nordicknots.com, it's easy to find a rug that's just right. A curated collection in lots of colors and sizes to choose from. Even custom sizes are possible. So, whether you're the type who loves the understated elegance of their luxury essentials or the bold statements from their top designer collaborations, you can't really go wrong. Oh, and don't tell anyone, but right now, you can get a free sample with the code INNERCIRCLE. NordicKnots.com
3: We'll tell you who it is next after the break. And how about this? Get ready for non-stop action that will have you say, You're to be kidding!
0: Oh my Canada! Mr. Casey,
4: what a play and what a finish!
0: That's some pretty good football,
5: eh?
3: has gone all the way to the house!
5: It's the Canadian Football League next Sunday on CBS Sports Network.
3: As I was, did you see my panic faces? I realized what time it was because we had to get dudes out of here. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'll give. Yeah. I'm gonna give you two names who went on the PUP list. Which one interests you more, Kyler Murray or Von Miller, dudes?
4: I mean, I'm a defensive lineman. You know, it was Von Miller. I, I, we expected Kyler Murray most likely to be on the PUP list. I honestly don't think he even plays this year because uh, say he's healthy around week seven, eight, or nine, and they're one and eight. Like, is he really going back out there now? Granted, he might, right? Because he wants to prove that he could be the guy and they can build around him because if they pick number one overall, most likely they're going to take Caleb Williams. But then what do you do with Kyler Murray's contract? But Von Miller, to me, makes more sense just because once he got hurt, I think it was like week 10, you saw a massive drop off as far as, you know, Buff- the Buffalo Bills creating havoc getting to the quarterback. Like nobody was even close to creating pressure once Von Miller got hurt. Greg Russo looked really good in the beginning of the year with Von Miller on the other side. But as soon as Von got hurt, Greg Russo disappeared. I mean, Ed Oliver got this big contract, um, hasn't really lived up to that first-round billing yet as far as creating, you know, havoc and getting to get the quarterback on a consistent basis. But yet, they still paid him because they like him a lot. And if you look at some of the other D tackles that went with him, they constantly get to the quarterback. You look at Quentin Williams. I mean, Nick Bosa was in that class. Josh Allen was in that class. Like, there were some studs in that class. So he needs to take his game to the next level. I think... They were kind of ready for this because they signed Leonard Floyd late right before training camp, and he's a consistently uh, really good edge player, right? He's a guy that gets around eight and a half sacks every single year, but he's not Von Miller, right? So it'll be interesting to see how the Buffalo Bills come out on defense, because let's not forget, Leslie Frazier isn't there anymore. Sean McDermott's calling the defense now. That is getting up there in age. Von Miller's up there in age. He's he's in his mid-30s. You know, Father Time is undefeated. We'll see how he bounces back, but I think this could loom large for the Bills in regards to how they play on defense because they've been known as a cover two defense that you know gets after it with their front four, but they're multiple in the way that they disguise cover two. Now with Sean McDermott coming into the fold and calling plays again, will he maybe add a little bit more pressure because they aren't able to get to the quarterback as good with four? It'll be interesting to see how that plays out for the Buffalo Bills this year. Bill's also,
3: yeah. Bills also by the way, traded Boogie Basham um, yeah, which, which I thought was really weird,
4: too, with, with the Von yeah. in, injury.
3: Yeah, so, I mean, look,
0: I, I think it was expected for Kyler. I mean, it, it, interesting topics like, all right, Arizona, like, just be any more blatant about you trying to <laughs> collapse for Caleb at this point. Oh, uh, jobs jobs for Caleb is good. I like that. that. I'm going to use Josh that. Bob's <laughs> just got there and all of a
3: sudden he's just started week one. And, and hey, going to start. Yeah, he, no, no job Game up. is like, I'm not revealing my week one starter for competitive reasons. It's like, what? Like, yeah. Because like, like, <laughs> you're competing for the first overall pick.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. well, <laughs> welcome to every uh, college football coach right now who had a quarterback battle that, like, no. The or on the depth chart, good. Yeah, they got that or heading into the week one. Um, I I would actually say Von Miller for this standpoint. Um, some of what Laje talked about, like clearly your pass rush was different last year without him. It kind of got exposed, yeah. and, and they had two divisional games in their first four. And I think this division is going to be really tight. I've already said I'm really bullish on the Jets. That's who you kick off the season with. So, yeah. like, if you're Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, you have to deal with Von Miller, sweet. Yeah. If you're 2 on week four, you have to deal with Von Miller, sweet. Like, that That gives you that extra advantage of, all right, like, if, if they do take a step back this year, maybe it's because they didn't have a little extra juice off of the edge. Um, and so I, I think it's it, it's really concerning from that standpoint, given the offseason with, um, you know, Leslie Frazier no longer being there, what we saw last year. And just the fact that you got, you know, two of your six divisional games in that span. You're not going to have arguably one of your best defensive players, a future Hall of Famer.
3: Yeah. And I, mean, I I will say the one thing I do think the Bills want to have happen is re- have, they, want, they don't want to r- run the risk of playing Von Miller too much early and him not being healthy. They want him healthy for the final stretch run. But yeah, you're right. I mean, those two divisional games are going to matter. And uh, ultimately could impact the seating in the AFC. All right, that's going to do it for us. Make sure and like, subscribe, rate, and review wherever you get your podcasts on YouTube. For dudes, for BQ, I'm Brentson. We'll see you guys later.